If you ask Ian to summarize Robert Picton, he'd use the words, pig shit covered asshole. And that pretty much sums it up. Robert Picton owned a pig farm in Canada that he would eventually turn into his quote, piggy palace. Here he would have wild parties, do drugs, and bring his sex workers. But what people didn't know was that Picton had an evil side. And this side of him is believed to have led to the disappearance and murder of nearly 50 women, rightfully earning him the title, Pig Shit Covered Asshole. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought Nickelback was the worst thing to ever come out of Canada, stick around. Tonight's tawdry tale is bound to leave you squealing in terror. This is Necronomapod. Now, the Robert Picton tapes. The serial killer comes close to admitting multiple murders in a newly released video of a police interrogation, but Picton stops short of a complete confession. The 11-hour interview shows Picton saying that he had one more apparent killing in mind, but it didn't happen because he says he got sloppy. News reporter Eric Thompson has the latest. In the early hours, as Picton is shown photos of the women, he insists he knows nothing. This criminologist says the tape is chilling, but nothing about it is surprising. He just looked upon this as a number. So totally depersonalized, so totally detached, so totally insensitive, so totally unempathetic, classic psychopathic personality. All right, Ian, mm-hmm. as I take an awkwardly long sip of alcohol, get out your Google machine. You're going to need it for this. Fuck, Mary kill. What? <laughs> It's been a long time for these. Adam Levine, Jared Leto, Justin Timberlake. Okay. Well, I have to get my Google. I don't. You don't know anybody. <laughs> and Dave, you as well. So, and you can either one of you can answer. Mm. I'm killing Adam Levine. I don't love that guy. I don't know. He seems like a douche. That's yeah. why I'm, there's two guys on this that are extremely douchey. I think uh, Timberlake and marrying Jared Leto. Mm. I like that guy. You think Lotto's a douche? I think he's the word biggest douche on that list. Really? Oh, I'm a big 30 actually? Seconds to Mars fan. They're good I, I like yeah, those guys. They're good. He's just a douche. He's a good actor, too. Oh, I think he's cool. I like him. He's a How muffin. are you not marrying Justin Timberlake, though? Come uh, on. I like Jared Leto. He's cool. Uh, I'll kill Jared Leto. Okay. F, Adam Levine, and marry Justin Timberlake. I'm going to marry Justin Timberlake. I'm going to F, Jared Leto, and I'm going to mm. kill Adam Levine. Do we have three different answers? Apparently. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, and I think we've had Justin Timberlake before because I asked if Jessica Biel was part of the package and you told <laughs> me no. Not, of course, no. So. She's not like, you can't just yeah. put people in part of these packages. Like, if Jessica Biel came along with it, it's, that's lawless. I would probably marry <laughs> Justin Timberlake. Yeah. But, well, so. of course, but you can't have that, Dave. Well, I'm sorry, man. Fuck, Mary, kill. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hoping there's a corresponding. Uh... I feel like we might have done this one before. Are you looking at old stuff? I'm looking at just, I was Googling like, uh, the best F. Mary kills because I m- didn't have an opener for this show. So I looked this up 20 seconds ago. Zoe Saldana. Oh boy. Natalie Portman. Mila Kunis. I feel like we have done that one before. I'm killing Natalie Portman. F. Myla, Mila Kunis. And marrying Zoe Saldana. Yeah. What he said. Same. Yeah. I think I would just switch Zoe and Mila. Myla, I would marry Myla. I'm a big Zoe Saldana fan. Yeah, yeah she's too. smoking hot. I think we might have done that one before. I think we yeah, did. That sounds uh, remotely familiar. I hope I someone know. goes back and sees if our answers are consistent. And calls you current. Out. Yeah. No, <laughs> just see if they're consistent. Uh, I assure you, mine are consistent. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, you mine never know. Too. Taste may have changed, Dave. Maybe back at that time you were feeling Natalie Portman. 
I don't get me wrong. I'm a Natalie Portman fan too, but not over Zoe Saldana. I'll tell you who you wouldn't pick in an F Mary Kill: a pig. Look at that transition. Take it, Ian. <laughs> so Robert Pickton was born <laughs> on October 24th. 1949 in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia to Leonard and Louise Picton. And he was the middle child of his two siblings, brother David and sister Linda. The Picton family were just genuinely not good people, except for their daughter, Linda. She was like the one that was normal in this family. There's always one. Yeah. Leonard Picton was a farmer and the family in general were just filthy people. They had all the animals that you would expect to have on a farm, like chickens and cows. Yeah, yeah, cows. You were struggling to think of like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Or you know what you'd find on a farm, like chickens and he's looking around the room all nervous, all, all like those other animals. you know those other animals that you see on a farm. Um, but the have you ever been to a farm, Ian? Yeah, yeah, I've okay. been to a farm. Right. Yeah, lots of times, Mike. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I see those chickens and those pigs and those There's like cows. stuff there. And like There's hay and <laughs> dirt. <laughs> Tractors. But the pigs were their main business. And all of these animals were just allowed to roam freely wherever they wanted throughout the Picton house as well. Now, I, like two years ago, we bought that duckling for uh, for Easter. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And that's right. and that I remember. Yeah. And then that duck grew up really fast. <laughs> and, uh, and that thing shit so much. <laughs> so it just just pigs and all kind of stuff just allowed to walk walk through his house, just shitting everywhere, just yeah, filthy. The pigs. Yeah. Although it's they're like free range animals, and that's like the thing these days. People want free range animals, right? Yeah, but I don't think you just want like one of them like walking around your house. <laughs> Taking a it. bath and a pig fucking walks in and tries to get in the tub with you. <laughs> and they're not pet pigs. Like these are just fucking hogs. Yeah, they're like not pot belly, you know. <laughs> right, no. Yeah, they're little not five cute little things. <laughs> right, right. You're eating these motherfuckers at some point. Oh, I'm hungry. Now I want some ham. So the kids were required to slop two hundred pigs every day, both before and after school. What does that mean? To feed them. Slop? Yeah. Give them a slop. You feed them yeah. slop. What? Yeah. I'm not a farmer, Mike. I no, don't I don't know. know. I, I knew that one, though. Right. Proud of myself. I knew that one. It's not bad. And the smell of these pigs just like stuck to everything on this family, which earned Leonard the nickname Piggy in town. That's mean. Like, well, they just smelled terrible. Like, even to other farmers, it was like they. Because they let him run bad. off of their house. <laughs> right. Like, there's no separation. No. Well, like, his name is literally picked on. Like, this is name. <laughs> exactly. The whole family they were born Robert for. Robert picked on. <laughs> when they're running through your house, like, that's just, even when you're washing your clothes, it's just in the smell of pig shit. Yeah. Pigs are not pleasant smelling creatures. Well, and the other thing, too, about Robert Picton specifically was that he w- had, like, this unnatural kind of fear of water. So he would have to be forced to take a bath. And it was very rare mm. that he ever showered, ever bathed at all, growing up or mm. into adulthood, all that stuff. So, literal extra pig smel- shit person, extra smelly kid. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And for the most part, the Pictons didn't associate with anyone outside of the family. And but growing up, Linda seemed to have somewhat of a normal life. But Robert and David either spent all their time with each other or just with the pigs. The thing that Robert shared with 
some other serial killers growing up was an unnatural attachment to his mother. And by contrast, his father was just like a complete non-entity in the household and and Robert's life. The only time Robert got attention from his father was um, with his father being just extremely abusive towards him physically and emotionally. Sounds like a great upbringing. Yeah. Robert also didn't do well in school. Uh, in third grade, he was placed in special education, and he did not advance through that program at all, with him finally dropping out his freshman year of high school. And his time in school was not great while he was attending. Like we already said, he was known as the smelly kid, and he was picked on quite a bit. Yeah, his name is picked on. <laughs> <laughs> like literally picked on. <laughs> And so when Robert would have a specifically bad time, he would go home and burrow himself into the carcass of a dead pig and just kind of lay in there and hang out until he felt better. I used to do that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's healthy. Didn't that get hot in the summer? Like he was probably <laughs> it's comfort baking day. in there. <laughs> oh my God. You're, you're on it tonight. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's quite the scene just this kid going that's in. absolutely ridiculous <laughs> laying in the dead pig yeah you think <laughs> plus you don't shower plus your name is picked on <laughs> what, what was his name picked on oh i didn't get that <laughs> do you think he was picked on i think it's possible <laughs> so robert had these stories throughout life that he would tell everybody that would listen to him and one of these stories that he would tell over the years, and this was confirmed in a letter he sent from prison, happened to him when he was 12 years old. He had saved up $35 and went to a livestock auction and bought himself a three-week-old calf to raise. So one day, Robert came home from school and found the calf was missing, and Robert's dad told him to go look in the barn for it. And when he went in there, he saw the calf hanging upside down, butchered. Pretty fucking harsh. He viewed this calf as a pet, so it wasn't uh, wasn't intended to be eaten. Is it kind of like a farmer's life lesson where they, I don't know. I'm sure that's what dad made it out right. to be. Yeah. Well, what's the thing with the, there's like the Nazi thing where they have to, I don't know if it's true or if it's like a myth, but raise the German Shepherd puppy and then kill it oh. to prove something. There's that's that. a real buzzkill, Ian. I, Thanks. I, I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Everyone hug your dogs a little tighter tonight. <laughs> it, this happens a lot in other serial killer stories. Uh, I don't know. I don't think in any that we've covered yet specifically, mm. but there's like Henry Lee Lucas was one that he got attached to uh, a donkey and his mom took him out and just shot it in the face in front of him. And there's different things like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll fuck you up for life, that kind of shit. It's not great. 100%. So regardless, this is real sad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not a high moment for uh, young Bobby here. It, but that's the thing. That's the weird thing, too, with him is like that's kind of it with him growing up. He doesn't have like that one big serial killer moment or this brutal upraising that you talk about with other guys. Yeah. like Ed Kemper being forced to live in a basement. Long time. Yeah. Or like any massive head injury that would explain mm. something like, or at least that anybody knows about. There, there, well, how there's much there's do really we know nothing. about the abuse from his dad? From what I read, it sounded like it was just. It wasn't great, but it was. It wasn't like anything outside the realm of just general not yeah, good abuse. Yeah, it wasn't something brutal. Okay. 
when Robert was 14, his family moved their farm to another area of poor Coquitlam. But his sister Linda didn't move with the family, and she decided to kind of let this let this farm life go. She didn't love pigs just roaming around everywhere. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> Sounds great. This second farm is where Robert lived for the rest of his life, and this farm would eventually become the biggest crime scene in Canadian history. Dun dun dun! Foreshadow. <laughs> the Pictons bought this property for around eighteen thousand dollars. And at the time, that by the time that this was all over and Robert was caught, it was worth millions. When they moved to this farm, they expanded their pigs to reach at having around 800 pigs at a time. And Robert and David would eventually start coming home from, they would slop the pigs before and after school, but now they were coming home during lunch to help slop these pigs. It's a lot of fucking pigs to feed. And they just smell like absolute shit going yeah. back to school because neither was less Robert didn't bathe at all. Have like, you guys been around a pig like at a petting zoo? They smell disgusting. It's terrible. They're not. They don't smell pleasant. Let alone eight hundred of them. One alone is enough to make me like want to walk away and maybe skip lunch. Eight hundred pigs and trying to get dates in school. Like, hey, baby, I just went home and slopped the eight hundred pigs. You want to? Slob on my knob. Yeah. Let me slop you. I don't think that was working real well. Oh boy, it's my guess, but yeah. You, hey, baby, you want a pork? <laughs> the farm eventually started to become a storage place for people to freeze their food. Like they opened a side business that was just like a frozen food thing. And at 15, Robert dropped out of school and became a full-time employee. The first incident with crime didn't have anything to do with Robert, but it had a huge effect on him. When his brother David was 16, he was driving home at the same time a 14-year-old boy named Tim Barrett was walking to a friend's. David accidentally hit the boy from behind with his truck, and instead of getting out to help him, David took off and went to tell his parents what had happened. Instead of calling an ambulance, his parents cleaned as much blood off the truck as possible and sent David to go get the dent fixed in the truck. So while David was taking the truck to get fixed, his mother went to the scene and found Tim Barrett still lying on the ground. Again, instead of doing anything to help, she just rolled his body into a water-filled ditch and went back home. Damn. Just figured he wouldn't be found. Brutal. How do we find this out later from uh, confessions and whatnot? Yeah, so this came out later in confessions, and then Mm. what his mom did kind of came out a few times. Damn. So David's getting the the dent fixed in the truck, and this stuck out to the mechanic because the truck was all beat up, and the Pictons were already known as pig shit people that didn't care about things. So why are you bringing this truck to get this There's like 500 dents in this truck, and (laughs) no, just pull this this one out. You want this specific dent (laughs) with the skull of a 14-year-old indented into the the hood. You want that specific dent taken out, but nothing else. It's not suspicious at all. Got it, Pally. So the next day when this boy's body was found, the mechanic called the police about the work he had done on the truck. So he was like, oh, like I definitely fixed the dent that killed that kid. <laughs> He's like, yep, that was me. <laughs> Whoops. But the thing about Tim's death was it wasn't from him getting hit by the truck. He was still alive when Louis picked and rolled him into that water-filled ditch, and he drowned from, or he died from drowning. To top it all off, David was only found guilty of of failure to stay at the scene of an accident. Nobody got in trouble for this at all. And all he got was a year or two of parole and had his license suspended until he was 21. Wow. 
That's that, crazy. How brutal. That kid was still alive. She killed him. Damn. By rolling him into that ditch. But they couldn't prove that at the time that she pushed him in the ditch? That's the her involvement in it came out years later yeah. through a couple I had um, no idea. Yeah. That's through a wild. couple confessions and there was kind of mm. an incident of kind of like a my mom will beat your mom's ass kind of thing going on and day I think it was David that Mm. spilled that telling somebody was like yeah well my mom fucking killed that kid so <laughs> yeah well my mom fucking killed the kid <laughs> push him in a fucking river <laughs> fuck you motherfucker but this just kind of showed him like being able to get away with things pretty early on laws don't apply to you yeah after this incident robert went on to start being a butcher's apprentice which would become a role in how he handled his future victims by the time he was 20, Robert was so good at butchering, he was able to do around 48 animals a day, which I guess that is really uh, high-level butchering. Like 48 whole animals? Yeah. That seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that seems pretty talented. Mike can only do like 30. <laughs> I mean, I could butcher one meat pretty good in one day, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> As you were. <laughs> However, in 1970, just after his 21st birthday, Robert just up and left his apprenticeship and went back to work full-time on the pig farm. His work often took him to a place called West Coast Reduction, which was an animal waste disposal facility near downtown Vancouver. Robert was known to drop off barrels of excess animal materials at this rendering plant, which would then take the materials and turn them into other products. Kind of what we talked about. Other products. <laughs> Gelatins. Have you, guys, have you guys ever been to a rendering plant? Uh, no. I have not. I have. Really? My good buddy, Max. Oh. They work at a rendering. They, they get grease from local restaurants and take them back to their rendering plant. One time I got to see where it all goes. Sounds awful. Wish I hadn't seen it. It is stinky. I'm sure. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. What's the fine? What's the... Uh end product there uh i know a lot of it goes like animal feed mm. that's about as much as i know you know it goes reproduced into that and i don't know i'm sure it's used for multiple other things but yeah like there's cosmetic products that are used yeah. i just know that those rendering plants are not they don't smell the best mm -hmm. it's a good business though not for me yeah sounds <laughs> atrocious you don't want to look in those things no no i don't after the trips to the plant Robert often visited a particularly bad area of Vancouver's downtown east side. And this area is a concentrated spot for sex workers and, and people addicted to drugs. And from what I was reading, this area is like one of the worst impoverished crime filled areas in the world. For really? like for like I think it was someone from the the Vancouver Sun was talking and said like in the um like in the Western world. Hmm. The, the east side of Vancouver is just absolutely like the worst of the worst. I've never been to Vancouver, but I, it's not I actually kind of not how I view the city. I always hear awesome things about yeah, Vancouver. Right. It's just this one section in the east yeah. side of it. Like there's a big movie industry uh, there. They film a lot of Hollywood movies in Vancouver. Yeah, they do? Yeah. Hmm. So Robert would pay for, for just to hang out with these women and affection, sex, stuff that he just couldn't get anywhere else because he smelled like a pig and these women were very <laughs> in need of money. So they had, they were unfortunately had to put up with him smelling like a pig. He would spend large amounts of money on these women and just kind of buy them whatever they wanted. And after they were done, these women would brag about Robert to their friends, like 
hey, this this guy Robert's great. He's just throwing money everywhere, kind of thing. He smells like a fucking pig shit, but he spends <laughs> lots of money on us. <laughs> Sounds great. We'll allow it. <laughs> this guy's a big spender. Robert began frequenting the Astoria Hotel which was a pub on East Hastings Street in Vancouver, where he grew this reputation as someone with a lot of money. Like he, his mom was very strict, and he he grew up a very like powerless person to have like these people that he could do favors for and help them out and put him in this position of of some kind of power. Yeah, you've life. been made fun of. You've been what, Dave? He's been pit, picked pit? on. Ah, uh, there it is. I couldn't think of the word. Picked his, on his whole life. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, look at this guy. And he would increase picking up these women and getting it to like a nightly basis and increasingly get more violent with them. So essentially he has free pork and all the hookers you can handle. I don't, I don't hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of pulled pork sandwiches and lots of hookers. I don't know. So far it's so good. Doesn't sound like the worst way to live. Not terrible. I mean, not knowing the inner workings of what he's doing. Sure. I don't want him pulling my pork. Yeah, these are initial thoughts here. In 1978, Robert's father died, and then his mother died the following year in 1979. And even though the Pictons were disgusting people, they were very wealthy, and the farm was worth a ton of money. So when it came time to figure out the will, each child got $96,000. And that's ninety six thousand dollars, nineteen seventy eight money. So that's, yeah, sure. Good, Goddamn, pal. Good, good bit of money. Um, and the farm was to be split three ways. Oddly, it was specifically written into the will that David and Linda would get their money immediately, but Robert couldn't get his until he had ran the farm and stayed there for ten years, <laughs> and then it would be freed up. And you wonder why they kill motherfuckers? Well, he wasn't the youngest. He was the middle. Yeah. Why? Because so he was ma- the youngest boy. Maybe he was essential, like they. F- they knew he was the one that needed to run the place, so they kind of tied him to the operation. I mean, can you imagine your two siblings get $96,000 and like, oh, you, fucking 10 years. Yeah. It's a very strange. That makes me want to flip a table right now, and I'm not even a part of this story. <laughs> well, d- don't, though, because you're my basement. Yeah, so maybe well, it's I'm, not I'm a good not idea. To. Also, coronavirus. <laughs> Six feet, man. Social distance. Now that I've just dated this uh, episode, people listening 20 years from now are like, what the fuck's a coronavirus? <laughs> what kind of beers are these guys drinking? The farm was, so the, with this, the farm is pretty much in his full control. Well, yeah. If I had to run it for 10 years, I'd be like, motherfuckers, take your 96000 get the fuck out of here. This is mine now. 10 years. I'm going to run this shit. Give me my money. Get the fuck out. Yeah. It, like his brother, David hung out with they i mean they hung out all all the time together did he buy them out i i'm not sure Hmm. i'm I'm assuming i assume the siblings were like fucking peace out like this is yours we don't want to be at a pig pig farm anymore we have our money but if we want to party we're going to come back it's you know i mean the piggy palace linda (laughs) didn't have anything to do with anything in this story she was smart she got the fuck out (laughs) that's right Right. she took that money and peace out do we know where she went just i don't know but david hangs out a lot with i mean uh, throughout this whole story we'll see later on we'll talk about some things david picton was 100 percent complicit in what went uh, on in this story oh he knew oh he 100 percent knew mm. dropping truth bombs over here <laughs> so now that he kind of had full reign of things he started to go buy broken down cars and scrap metal and store them on the property so areas of the farm started to look like a junkyard 
He also started to expand his butchering business and would go around bidding on animals at livestock auctions for people and then butchering the meat. Robert also expanded this scrap metal business by running a chop shop for the Hells Angels on the farm. So this, starting with this, this farm started to become a, a hangout for a lot of bikers, a lot of criminals, and just a lot of general, just low-life people mm. started hanging around. Sounds like uh, our neighborhood. <laughs> yep. coincidentally motorcycle season starts woo yay not if this coronavirus i want to do say about that <laughs> love the bikes out there now that robert could do whatever he wanted he also started to bring um, sex workers back to the farm to stay for a while he would teach them butchering skills and they would go to the movies and go shopping what else are you gonna do right <laughs> And Robert would also often pay these women with money and drugs to clean his trailer or help him around the farm. The earliest incident we know, violence involving Robert Picton, is a story from one evening in 1980. Robert was driving around the streets of Eastside Vancouver when he spotted a young girl on Hastings Street. According to the girl, Robert picked her up in his truck and things quickly turned violent. This girl was 14 years old and once in the truck, Robert attacked her with a knife, raped her, and then just threw her out into the parking lot. Being like the first, like I said, it's like the first violent thing we know about him because shortly after this is when it's it's widely accepted that he started killing in 1983. So we got a taste of it here. That's what it sounds like, yeah. And that's the thing about a lot of, we'll go through the victims at the end. A lot of the, I mean, he, he went specifically went after the most down and out people with the promise of drugs and money. I mean, this was a 14 year old powerful. Yeah. To feel, you know, I mean, this was a 14 year old girl. There yeah. was a lot of really young drug addicted, uh, yeah. Well, and, teenagers that he went after and easy pickings and yeah. generally no one's going to be looking for them. So right. Same old story. The next major event in Robert's life happened in 1994 when the Picton kids sold the north end of the farm and the sale netted them almost $2 million. So with a ton of cash, Robert and his brother David started a nonprofit social events business in 1996 called the Piggy's Palace Good Time Society. Yes. This was established as a charity. You think you'd still find a t-shirt of that? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe. The PPGTS? (laughs) I want one of those. It was... uh, it was something else, man, because they it was listed legally as a charity, but it was just an excuse to throw these crazy ass parties and with hundreds of people, sometimes up to like pushing two thousand people would be would be going there. And and people and it wasn't just uh like criminal type people either. I mean, there were law enforcement went to these to the piggy palace to hang out. I bet. What else you all kind of people there, went man? there. That was the nickname of Mike's uh frat, by the way, <laughs> the the good time society. That they went by. Yeah, in my pants was the piggy palace. <laughs> they called it that for a short time. Short time. Short time only. Yeah. Put the kibosh on that. You put the kibosh on it or the kibosh? Well, they got the kibosh, but they, they put the kibosh on that because I was like, eh, I don't want to refer to this as the piggy palace. <laughs> Pussy palace. So like, there was live music and everything at this place, right? Yeah. I mean, this was like a full-blown just partying it up, bands playing, mm. drinking. So it was Canada, like did uh, Justin Bieber or Alanis Morissette play live at the I don't know shows? if Justin, was Justin Bieber alive? <laughs> I don't think he was Who were these Canadian bands that were jamming I don't think he was alive. There. So this was like a recognized party venue almost. Yeah, exactly, yeah. This was an established 
place to go. Yeah, one hundred percent. It looked like a fucking trash yard. <laughs> Pigs running around, smelled like shit. Yeah. But this was like a legitimate, like, oh, we're gonna go see a you know band up at the the Piggy Palace. Yeah, people rented it out for parties and Fuck. stuff. Yeah. It's Canada, yeah. you know. Fun fact: uh, Canadian rock band Nickelback played uh, played a couple shows at the Piggy Palace. I think that's allegedly right. They have uh, never; it's never been confirmed. They have never confirmed that. No, my never, never, fan of Nickelback. Never confirmed it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they want to be associated uh, with the story I'd, anymore. I'd, I don't know if I would call myself a fan of Nickelback. Oh, I, I think don't, I would. I don't hate them. I don't hate them. They've sold more albums than any rock band in the last mm. 20 years. Just saying, people like them. You can look that up. You can look it up. <laughs> he's, he's confident in that. Is that true? They I, are the best-selling rock band in like the last 20 years, yes. I'll Google it right now while you guys are talking. That really pains my soul. I mean, who's, yeah, what I rock band say. would you say sold better? I, I, I don't, I just, in, in all <laughs> fairness, I don't think rock bands sell very well anymore also. I don't even know what to say about that. Go ahead. As, as you were. Piggy Palace. Nickelback sounds like a party to me. <laughs> so Robert often took sex workers to the Piggy Palace parties, and afterwards they would go to his trailer for the night. And this new wealth gave him even more power over women, which puts him in the realm of Gary Ridgeway with this whole missionary killing thing. Because Robert would, with a lot of these women, he would give it was be like he would give them a chance mm. to like clean up, kind of thing, like some of them. And when they didn't accept his help, it was like justification for what he was doing. And some, okay. and Gary Ridgway was the same way. He yeah. had this thing out for these women and thought like he hated the hookers. Yeah, and in his yeah. thing, he was saying like in his confession, he said uh, to the cops, "Well, I was doing your guy's job for you." Yeah, like, all right, thanks, bud. Gary Ridgway was the guy that took his baby along. They have sex with hookers, right? He did. He did. I don't know. Did he, Dave? I, I, think, I think that was the guy. Hey, Dada, why you put pee-pee in the hooker? Yeah, he, he did do that. Da, Gary Ridgway, available in the archives. Dada, why you put milk in the, in the hooker? That guy was ridiculous, Gary Ridgway. He's something this else, fucking man. 75 IQ asshole. <laughs> and he, here's another thing with him being like Gary Ridgway is that Robert Picton killed so many people that you can't nail down when the first one was and you can't go over every single one. So at this time, they were in 1995 now, Robert's, uh, he had already established himself as being responsible for the deaths of women in the double digits already mm. at this point. In February of that year, a birdhouse salesman named Bill Wilson. What is a birdhouse salesman? <laughs> Dude, it's wild in Canada. Is that a real job? <laughs> in Canada. It's, it's like, like so. <laughs> so, would you like to buy this birdhouse, eh? You can fit like 10 to 15 birds in this birdhouse, eh? <laughs> birdhouse salesman. You can like watch the birds from your house, eh? And there's windows in the birdhouse. So you can just watch them, eh? <laughs> so this Bill Wilson guy uh, parked his truck and walked down to a swampy area to get a bucket of water to, to wash off his truck a little bit. And <laughs> hey, fucking hose running water? What is up with Canada? <laughs> and when Bill was down there, he found half of a human skull sitting on some rocks. 
instead of calling the police right away, Bill decided he would do it after he went to his doctor's appointment and did his grocery shopping. But by the time he did all that stuff, it was time for his bingo night and he didn't have a working phone at home. So he just decided he would go and report it in person the next morning. It's time for my bath, eh? Hey? I <laughs> can't go to, top, talk to the police. <laughs> Sorry to disrupt you, pal. <laughs> it, it, it took this guy until 5 p.m. the following day to get down to the police station and report the fact that he had found a human skull. Oh, <laughs> so I got to do my morning constitution, eh? Hey? I'll talk to the police later. <laughs> when the police finally found got to the skull they found that it was cut in half with a bone saw but it wasn't by a medical professional because it wasn't completely straight so she didn't have brain surgery no <laughs> yeah okay so i i i know i've been kind of out of it here for the last few minutes <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is this guy's back now <laughs> sorry i told you i'd look up nickelback and i did <laughs> according to bmg stats Nickelback is the 11th best-selling musical act of all time. They're also the second best-selling foreign, in quote, groups in the U.S. behind only the Beatles. The RIAA has certified 178 album sales by the group, which makes them the best-selling group in the U.S. I'm through with standing in line at clubs. I'll never get in. It's like the bottom of the ninth, and I'm never going to win. This life hasn't turned out quite the way I wanted to be. Everything about that. So those those lyrics, folks. It sounds so trashy. Nickelback. <laughs> we need to deport I know, people I know people. I know people on hate on them. They sell fucking records. There are so many that does, hidden. That doesn't mean anything closet, to me. It means there's closet Nickelback fans all over. People who tell you they hate them own their records. Well, then we. Sh- That's what I'm just saying. I'm honest about it. I own one Nickelback album. One. That's it. But I'm honest about it. I I don't even know what to That's say it. about that. I'm disgusted. They're the second best-selling and- foreign rock band in America behind the Beatles. I have, I have no words. Dave's more offended by that than this story. We're going to keep reading here. He's more offended by that than this story. I, I what other for like what other like Rush is it like yeah, Nickelback, Nickelback sold blue- more than Rush? According to this, that's Grimm. the most offensive yeah. thing I've ever fucking heard in my entire life. What else? What that's others? preposterous. Well, as we were, fuck off, Mike. That's nonsense. <laughs> He's mad that I didn't. I looked it up. I did it. Ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> And the thing like about the police being notified about this skull, and we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, they already knew at this point that there were a ton of women going missing from the Vancouver area, mm. from that east side area. So you would think that they would have uh, kind of worked on this a little harder with this skull, mm. but they did not. We'll kind of talk about that in a bit. What are you trying to say, Ian? Well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> so the, in uh. So then we're getting into 1997 and Robert's victim count was already approaching 30. And that's where we get into the encounter of Sandra Gale Ringwald. And we talked about this earlier. That is not her real name. That's an alias for, was it victims? There's a publication ban on her name. Right. So, I mean, so, you know, we're not going to name her name because of that. Yeah. I mean, we, I saw it. Yeah, uh, sure. But we don't, I don't feel like we need to throw that out there. She's one of the few women to experience a violent encounter with Robert and survive. So like we said, Robert preyed on the most desperate sex workers and 
most wouldn't get in his truck and drive 30 minutes out to Robert's farm with him because I mean, these women, they're, they know when something's wrong, you know, like, sure, like sure. Yeah, I'm not going to get in the car with you and go 30 minutes away. But like I said, he preyed on the ones that needed money the most. And this guy doesn't, you know, I mean, he looks like a fucking dirty he, hick. He looks like a fucking scumbag. Yeah. You know, the definition. And then he smells <laughs> like it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was very desperate for the money, so she got in the truck with him. When she got out to Robert's trailer, she made note of a knife that she saw that was just lying on the floor. Because, as you could imagine, his trailer was just a fucking disaster with you don't shit say. everywhere. Can't even imagine you don't what say. it looked like. Yeah. So she made note of this knife that she saw, saw lying on the floor. They went to Robert's bedroom and had what she called regular sex on Robert's sleeping bag. This guy has all this money. He's living in a fucking dilapidated trailer. Well, that's what I was a sleeping bag. Like yeah. he has his whole farm, and he's not even in the farmhouse. He has his own trailer. So, like you would think, and he maybe- didn't even have the trailer for the longest time because his brother stayed on the farm too. For his brother David lived there in the house for a long well, time. Trifle,ly his as well. And there was specifically an incident because we said that he was afraid of water. There's specifically an incident with David and some other people there thought it was funny to start hitting him with a hose and shooting him in his face with water and shit. So he got pissed and went and slept in the freezer area for a long time. And then they got him his own trailer. (laughs) So, I mean, so his brother bought him the trailer. Yeah, basically, Mm. because he hit him with a hose and pissed him off enough. So she made note of this knife. They had what she called regular sex. She said it lasted for about five minutes, and Robert handed her $100, and she thought that was the end of it. Then Sandra asked him if she could use his phone book to call her pimp to get back to Vancouver and give him the money she owed him. While Sandra was flipping through the pages, she felt Robert walk up behind her, and when she turned around, Robert grabbed her left hand and snapped on a handcuff, but before he could cover other risks, she started fighting back. She remembered that knife that she saw earlier, and while she fought Robert off with one hand, she reached over for the knife with the other finally she started she got a hold of it and just started slashing at at robert and caught him in his jugular the next slash went through robert's cheek into his mouth cutting out some of his teeth and cutting a piece of his jawbone in the process like she was fucking stuck that thing yeah that's a real knife you'll find it you know that butchers have yeah she put it right that's not the real deal dave that's not a knife That's a knife. (laughs) (laughs) How did you not come up with that on your own, man? Our Australian listeners are cursing you right now. (laughs) That's not a knife picked in. This is a knife. (laughs) Like, no, I mean, those are are sharp knives that you use at a a slaughterhouse Mm -hmm. and whatnot. You don't fuck around, man. That slices through anything. Yeah, I clearly. Just fucking one swipe through his cheek. You're talking about cutting out your fucking teeth. Yeah, cutting out his teeth. Woo. Yep. If only I knew what Foster's meant. <laughs> like a beer? Yeah. What does that mean? It's a beer. It's Australian oh. for beer. Oh, okay. We talked about that last week. Oh, I was drunk. I don't remember. <laughs> that didn't stop Robert, and he kept advancing towards her, and Sandra realized that the only way out of the trailer was through Robert. She doesn't remember how she got outside because she blacked out, but the next thing she knew, her and Robert were outside fighting next to his truck. Can you imagine like fighting after you got some of your teeth cut out and a part of your jawbone sliced out? Yeah. No. I can't. Sh- like, how are you not just crying on the floor <laughs> in shock, man? Robert managed to wrestle the knife away and stabbed her twice in the abdomen. Ugh. But Robert was getting weak from blood loss and was losing consciousness. 
Sandra was able to get the knife back, break free, and run towards the main road with her intestines hanging halfway out of her body from being Holy stabbed shit. in the stomach. This is like straight up out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. like the original yeah. one. <laughs> no doubt. Once she got to the road, she saw two houses across the street with their porch lights on, but neither of them answered the door when she was banging on their doors, screaming that someone was trying to kill her. Finally, a couple in a car showed up, and Sandra flagged them down, and she was covered in blood, and as they were driving away, Sandra pointed towards Robert's farm and said, quote, if I die, that's where the guy who did this to me lives. Smart. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So this is probably the end of the story, right? They caught him, and then uh, yeah, that, was, that was it. <laughs> well, stopped, uh, I stopped him. <laughs> So we want to, you know, shout outs on Instagram, Patreon, uh, Twitter, and YouTube. We'll see you guys next week. You would think that would be the end. Yeah, of this right. right Seems like that's how you wrap this story up. Yep. So when they got to the hospital, the driver told the police what Sandra had said. So they went to Robert's trailer and they found him lying in a pool of his own blood. The police took him to the hospital as well. And when it came time to figure out what exactly happened, Robert's story was that he had cash on the out on the table when they got back to his trailer. So Sandra saw this cash, grabbed the knife, and tried to rob him. He fought back in self-defense, and she was stabbed in the process. Yeah, sounds likely. At first, the police charged him with attempted murder, but when the time came for Sandra to testify in court, she didn't show up because she was absolutely terrified of what Robert might do to her if things didn't go her way. She knew who, who Robert was, and David had also hired a private investigator to follow her around mm. and throw some intimidation on her. So she knew damn well that if she wasn't to be believed here... She's done. Yeah. And since she didn't show up to testify at trial, the self-defense story held and all charges against Robert were dropped. It seems to me that based on her story and like the what else is going on in the city at that time, it just warrants a further look You'd be like, at hey. this guy. <laughs> like, like, it all fits. <laughs> right. You would think you'd at least... Yeah. Go Something. Some a little questions. deeper dive, maybe. Yeah. yeah. A few questions. In 1997 alone, which was this was Robert's most active year, 14 women went missing from the east side of Vancouver. Mm. And despite all of this, at the beginning of 1998, a spokesperson for the Vancouver police said, quote, there is no indication of a serial killer preying on women. And we're talking, you're pushing over 30 women at this point. Mm. And he was not the only person that was operating in this area at this time either this was like a safe haven for serial killers huh. there's evidence that gary ridgeway traveled up there a few times and a couple of his victims came like, hey there. gary come on up it's great up here <laughs> yeah i mean because it well it's part of it because it makes the city look bad like you know generally cities don't like to admit that there's a serial killer huh? it hurts tourism like th- we said earlier vancouver has a big movie industry i think yeah. in this case I- They've they've rehauled they revamped everything like did like a complete overhaul of the Vancouver Police Department after this yeah but I think under this administration and everything that was going on in there at this time this was truly just not giving a shit mm. about about these women at all damn hands down because they had the Vancouver Police had this guy named Ken uh, Ken Rosmo this guy was like super cop he came up with a system to profile people based on ge- geographical things for like serial killers. Mm-hmm. So this guy, I mean, this guy knew he was like, there is a serial killer operating in this, in this city. They wouldn't let him help at all with anything. Mm. They derailed this guy at every, every turn and went as far as to like bully this guy into like trying to get him to leave the police department because he was too good. 
yeah, like they were like, he you're was trying. Right. And the other police officers didn't want, like he would go into his office and found like that he had a, uh, like a whiteboard with stuff on that he'd been working on and they needed one. So they just took his whiteboard and just wiped it off. This, wow. they, he, they like cut, purposely mm-hmm. cut his office expenses at times just to fuck with him. So he like didn't get paper and shit. Like That's just, it, yeah. And people are, women are missing. What is it? Has he shit. come out since and said stuff or? I mean, I, that, all that he, stuff comes like, from him. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he's been in, he was involved in big cases and solving things. They had this guy there. They where, just, did he, did, where did he go after this? I, I'm not sure off the top of my head, huh. but it, they, they had him and they just refused to use him because they just truly didn't give a shit. It just created more work. Seems like he could have been helpful. You would, uh, you would think. We'll be right back. Is there something that interferes with your happiness? Something preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment that's totally convenient. At BetterHelp, you can get help on your own time at your own pace. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. They offer licensed professional counselors who are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. Anything you share with your BetterHelp counselor is kept completely confidential. If you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp offers 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states and also has services available worldwide. Sign up is simple, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Financial aid is also available for those who qualify. And remember, BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. Necronomapod listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code NECRO. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com NECRO. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com NECRO. So that same year, in 1997, a story was published in the Vancouver Sun about Sarah DeVries, who kind of became the face of the missing women in, in Vancouver. After the story was published, one of the writers got a call from a man named Bill Hiscox. So not her cox, his cox. <laughs> yes, his cox. <laughs> it's clarifying. Hiscox said that he had recently worked for a man named Dave Picton, and during the course of his employment, he had gotten to know Dave's brother, Robert. Hiscox said, quote, he's, a, he's quite a strange character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Hiscox also got a glimpse of Robert's trailer that was just full of random women's clothes and purses. Well, so. well I mean, if you're storing bodies, you're going to collect a <laughs> few belongings, right? Got to put them somewhere. Yeah. Nowadays, you'd sell that on, like, you know, fucking your Facebook group for whatever mom's group is selling that <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm not going to call out our specific one. I almost did, but yeah. I won't. Not only, I mean, this guy, so this guy went to the Vancouver Sun, but before that, he had gone to the Vancouver police to tell them the story. And they told him that there wasn't anything that they could really do. They put surveillance on Robert for about two weeks and then just decided that there was nothing going on. Now, you would think that with the attempted murder charges that were dropped down and that whole story with... Mm-hmm. Sandra Ringwald and all these missing women. It's a lead, right? (laughs) All these women are going missing. You'd be like, Dave, don't interrupt. Let Ian be very clear (laughs) because he's about to pontificate to us. I mean, you would just think that they would be like, Hey, 
Let's put two and two together yeah. here and maybe look at this guy. They just really, truly did not give a shit to look into this at all. I'm I not just... going to sit here and let you tell me that a police investigation went awry. It's never happened before in history, right? I'm it's just... never and it won't happen ever again. I'm just picturing a fat old cop with his fucking feet up on the desk eating a donut. So, sorry, sir. There's nothing we can do. And I'm not That's saying... not how we see all cops, for the record. No, but in this investigation, it did not seem like they did a very good job. And it's not even that they were a bad police department most, when it came to the rest of society. It was right. just they generally viewed these women as not stand like they they were subhuman. Yeah, is that is that is. common among police culture? I wonder. I, I'm asking. I'm so. asking for maybe our police so. listeners out there. I think so. Like, is that is that something that's common? Maybe. I mean, back in the '80s, when the like out in LA. But I'm asking even now. Yeah, I, mean, I wonder I'm, if that's how it's looked at, or I don't know. You know, if if those well, a missing woman in our neighborhood's absolutely going to garner a lot more activity than a missing hooker. And sure, 100%. but it's also and also a missing person in our neighborhood garners a lot more activity than a missing person. Period in an inner city. Well, even in the city, that would that would be the case. Yeah, and it's not bashing on cops. It's just that you know when cops do the right thing. You know, maybe they catch the guy, and you're not going to hear about it. So the stuff we talk about, I don't. I agree. I think that's obviously, right. you know, yeah. you're going to get when the cops didn't right. do. If the, the right cops thing. caught this guy, we wouldn't be doing the story yeah, right now. Right. Exactly right. So it's not, you know, almost. So thank you, Vancouver PD, for fucking up. We're <laughs> going to have a story out of you. Almost all serial killer stories, almost all of them, mo- most of their they get away with stuff for the most part just because of police negligence. Yeah, sure. It's just the truth. I'm not saying all cops are bad. I'm just saying these cops in this situation did not give a shit about these women, and it was just and grossly blatant. Back, yeah, right. And probably and even some of these stories, looking back, it's not even you know looking back at it, 2020 vision, your your police negligence. But at the time, they're just like, well, to be responsible police, like this is not a lead we would follow up on. You know what I mean? Like some of these situations, they're just looking at it like, okay, this isn't necessarily necessarily a tip that we're going to follow up on. We look back at it 20 years later and be like, well, yeah, that one tip would have led you to the serial killer. Right. But at the time, like, they, you know, but who, who it, knows how much shit they get on any given day? Well, I feel like Morgan Freeman and Seven would have followed up on this tip. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've That's not seen that movie. This is. What? what? Wait a minute. Are you really surprised? Did we just find another one? Are you really? <laughs> yeah, I'll add us that list of movies I will never watch. I'll add seven to that list. Okay, I'm going to watch seven. I'll watch it. I'll give you a review. You've really never seen seven. Like, the other ones, okay, but you've never Maybe. seen seven? I don't know. It's a good Probably movie. not. I don't think so. Holy I don't sit fuck, and watch movies. Dude. Who's got time to sit and watch a movie? You're quarantined, motherfucker. That's yes. all you got time to do. I like short, sporadic episodes, like Veep and Curb Your Enthusiasm in The Office. Seven? And then I go listen to a Nickelback record, and I come back, and I watch <laughs> some more TV. <laughs> It's like the bottom of the ninth, <laughs> and I'm never going to win. Okay, as you were. So offensive. It, <laughs> I mean, everybody knew that there was a problem here. The police knew that there was a problem. I mean, America's Most Wanted did a fucking episode on this in 1997 mm, because yeah. they knew there was a problem. I mean, it's not a small number of people. No, we're talking double digits of women that just vanished from this area. So, And yet the cops just let it go. They just didn't care. There were other people that Robert told about what he would do. Um, but they were too afraid to come forward. One of these people was a guy named Andy Bellwood. Now, Andy Bellwood was a petty criminal who had somehow found himself living on the Picton property, and he and Robert became fast friends. No one really knows why 
Robert chose Andy to share his secrets. But one night in February of 1999, the two of them were hanging out in Robert's trailer when Robert asked Andy if he wanted to, quote, go get some hookers. Through the course of this conversation about doing this, Robert suddenly opened up and told Andy just what he liked to do with the uh, with, with sex workers that he picked up. First, Robert pulled out all of his tools. There was a pair of handcuffs under his mattress, a belt, and a piece of piano wire with handles on each end of it. Kind of like a... A garrote, if you will. <laughs> Ooh, too soon, Dave. Too soon. He then told Andy... JonBenet Ramsey, available in the archives. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> shameless all, plug alert. Shameless plug all alert. Four parts available in the archives. He then told Andy... He picked up all of his victims from the east side, promising them money and free drugs. Robert said once they were back in his in his trailer, he'd have sex with them from behind, then bring their arms back and slowly handcuff them, and then strangle the women to death. Mm. Another down-and-out person named Lynn Ellington was staying there as well during this time that, that this Andy guy was living there, and she was staying in a spare bedroom in Robert's house. The longer that Lynn stayed at the farm, the more she started to think that there was something really off about Robert. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and, and man, in March of 1999, her, her suspicions were confirmed in the worst way possible. One night, Robert and Lynn were driving around and Robert commented that he'd like to go and find a girl to take back to his trailer for the night. The two pulled up to a woman and they told her that they just bought some crack, which they really did. And they wanted to know if she wanted to go hang out at Robert's farm. I try this with my wife when we're out driving around. It never works. This guy makes it sound so easy. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You're doing like, yeah, Dave, yeah. You're, I wanna, mess, you're messing up, Dave. Yeah, like it's want to go buy some crack and pick up a girl to take home. And she punches you, me in the face. Are you playing Nickelback? You should be playing Nickelback. Oh, is Nickelback. that the key? Is that the missing so. key? All I right. think so. Try it. Guarantee. You got the mic guarantee on that. Look at this photograph. That song. <laughs> Every time I do it makes me laugh. <laughs> These lyrics are fucking terrible. They're not. God They're damn. the best of all time. Oh, awful. Hey, second only to the Beatles, guys. I, second only to the Beatles. I don't believe it. I don't believe you it. You can look it up. I, 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 you, you guys heard me fade out for about 30 minutes while I looked up all these so numbers. like Elton John, like Nickelback sold more than Elton John. <laughs> I don't know. Rush, Does Cream, El- well, I, the Rolling Stones. So Nickelback yeah. sold more records than the Rolling Stones. That's in the Amer- most- In America. Stop it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not making that up. The I Rolling Stones. I read Stones. you what I, what I found. Well. They were second to the Beatles, according to the BMG well, Music Group. So that means- Nickelback has sold more records than the Rolling Stones in the United States of America. That is what that means, yes. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't believe maybe it. Maybe not. Maybe. Or maybe Nickelback's the greatest rock and roll band of all time, and we just are not on board. Mm-hmm. Ian and I might murder you after this show. <laughs> <And> then- <laughs> as, me- as music fans... It might be our duty to murder you (laughs) after this show. I'm just telling you what I read online. I will post a screenshot if people want to see what I read. I'm not making it up. I just told you what I read. I'm just telling you what we might do. I don't think Nickelback's the greatest band of all time. I do enjoy a few Nickelback songs. I like the Rolling Stones better. I like the Beatles better. Where the fuck was that? (laughs) Who knows? Just, just... So they, uh, so they got they they bought their crack, and this woman decided to go back. She bought their crack, and she went back. Yeah, she decided to go back to the to the farm with them. When they got back to the trailer, Lynn and this woman smoked the crack while Robert watched. 
Eventually, Robert and the woman went to his room and Lynn went to hers where she went to smoke the rest of the crack. Not long after, she heard a noise coming from the barn. She walked outside and when she opened the doors, she saw legs dangling from the ceiling. She screamed Robert's name, so he walked over and grabbed her by the arm and made her stand in front of his slaughtering table. She said she kept her eyes down, but she saw as Robert tossed intestines and other organs into a bucket. She said the table was completely covered in blood and sitting in the middle was a clump of black hair, which that woman had black hair. Damn. Robert told Lynn that if she said a word to anyone about this, that she would, she would be dead in the same way. So Robert took her back to the trailer, gave her $100 for liquor and drugs, and Lynn just stayed drunk and high for multiple days after. Yeah, I feel like I would too. I mean, what do you, I don't know, man. It's, the people he surrounded himself were really down and out people. So I, it's just, I don't, I, I don't know. Think I, I don't blame, blame him. him. No. Yeah, really. I, I yeah, I agree. Then on May 30th of that year, ambulances were called to Robert's farm because Lynn had overdosed in his trailer and they were called by Robert. This is where a guy named Scott Chubb comes into the story. Chubb. <laughs> Scott had worked for the Pictons for years. And one day out of nowhere, Robert offered him $1,000 to kill Lynn Ellington. Robert told God him. It's <laughs> just, 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 just out of nowhere. Say, hey, man, you want to. You want to make 1000 bucks? <laughs> kill this bitch. No, thank you. He told him all uh, all Chubb had to do was inject her with winter washer fluid and no one would know the difference and just think that she overdosed. And it's weird that Robert couldn't go through with it. He's the one that called the police and or the ambulance and to save her life, but I think that it all but confirms her story because there was a reason he wanted to get rid of her. Yeah, that's odd. So he needed a, a way to get rid of her and God gave him a Chubb. <laughs> What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on the bus. Trying to make his way home. What what happened to this show? What happened to this? Like we were we were doing so well. We were on time tonight and everything. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm starting to think alcohol has negative effects on people. <laughs> By the year 2000, Robert had brought another person into this mix that knew that something was off with him. And this was a woman named Dina Taylor. And she is complicit in this story as well because Robert would send Taylor to women's shelters and search for sex workers and drug addicts. Dina Taylor would go in there and say, hey, let's... Go, this was what she would say. Hey, let's go party with Uncle Willie. He's got drugs and booze. He's got all the money. And why, she would call him Uncle Willie. Why Uncle Willie? Uh, well, he had he went by multiple. Well, everybody called him Willie. I've been calling him Robert throughout this oh, whole okay. story, but his everybody called him Willie. Street name. Yeah. Right. Willie was his uh, was what everybody called him. Bob was his business name right. like when he went to the auctions. Everybody called. He was. I wonder if his name was Robert William Pickton. It was. Oh. Did we say that earlier? I don't know. I don't think we said that earlier. I don't know. Ding, 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 ding. Oh. We didn't. I, I we did it. not. No, but yeah. Okay. So, Makes sense. Willie. Well, shame on me for bringing light to the situation. His middle name was William. We had not a addressed that. Makes sense for people calling him Willie. Mm -hmm. 
when these women were brought to him, to him, Robert would usually accuse them of stealing something from him, like money from his wallet, something like that. And then that would be like his excuse for, for killing them. That was his kind of doing that Gary Ridgeway thing we talked about. Moral superiority yeah. guy. And this Dina Taylor woman probably bought brought him at least another dozen victims. Jesus. I don't know if she full on knew what he was doing. You would think she would have had to because this woman, those women were never seen again mm-hmm. after. But yeah, by January 2001, the number of missing women had reached 62 and the authorities could no longer just ignore that this was actually a problem. Oh, that's the so, magic number. So yeah, 62 oh, okay. people. That's nice. 62 dead women is when we can say, <laughs> oh, okay, shit, we, okay. Problem. we better look into this now. Yeah. Mm. That April, the Vancouver Police Department and the Royal Crown Mounted Police launched the Missing Women's Task Force. Reward posters promised $100,000 for information leading to an arrest. There were over 12,000 tips that just flooded the, ho- the hotline, and several of these tips mentioned a pig farmer east of Vancouver, and Robert's name was eventually added to the list of suspects. But they didn't, they didn't pursue him right away still. Just added to the list. He was added to the list, but they did not pursue him. Robert continued killing through the course of 2001. In June, he murdered Andrea Joseph, and in August, Serena Abbotsway. But unlike his other victims, Robert didn't immediately dispose of their bodies. Instead, he placed their heads, hands, and feet inside plastic buckets and stored them in a meat freezer. And he was starting to get careless, and he's hitting that like kind of uh, invincibility thing where... They all get to. Yeah. I mean, he's Seen been doing this for 20 yeah. years now, so. Robert Verdella, available in the archives. Invincibility, hanging people from his garage. Oh, uh. Jerry Brudos? Jerry Brudos. No. Verdella is the one that tortured that guy, or tortured. But what did Verdella do that was, uh, didn't Verdella do something that was sloppy? No, not really. His guy just got His away. guy got loose. His guy got yeah. loose. Jerry Brudos also Jerry available Brudos in the archives. Let's mention multiple episodes available in the archives. Why not? <laughs> Jerry Brudos and rapper Berdella. Berdella's guy jumped out a window, a second story window, right. after being tied to a bed mm-hmm. for multiple days. Oh, yeah. And tortured pretty brutally. Yeah. In November of 2001, Robert found 26-year-old Mona Wilson and promised her free drugs and alcohol. Instead of taking Mona to his trailer, he led her to a camper that he had parked behind a bar. And there's something, something was different about this encounter. And I don't, I don't know if it's because she fought back more or if he just wanted to up the thrill. But instead of strangling her, he shot her once in the head with a 22. And this just shot blood everywhere that we'll get into. This is, this is more sloppiness on his, on his part. By the end of 2001, 64 women from Vancouver's east side were, were on the list of missing women but the police were no longer or were no closer to actually breaking the case, which is, I mean, everybody's calling and telling them there is this fucking weird pig farmer. Yeah, it's him. It's this guy. We know it is. Right. Like he's got purses everywhere and uh, all kinds of stuff. He's already had an attempted murder charge put on him that involved a sex worker, but they were no closer to it. Finally, on February 1st, 2002, a truck driver who occasionally worked at the Picton farm told an officer that he had once seen illegal weapons at Robert's trailer. So they jumped on this and obtained a search warrant. And four days later, the Vancouver police closed in on the Picton property. 
While searching, one of the investigators came across an inhaler that had one of the w missing women's names on it. It was prescribed to Serena Abbott's way, and at that point, this joint task force decided to stop the firearms investigation and obtain new search warrants. Robert spent that night in jail, and the police alerted to the media to a break in the case. With these new warrants, investigators found proof of Mona Wilson's murder. Like we said, he just shot her, and there was blood all over the mattress. Uh, it was there was blood on the floor, the cupboards, the walls. It just kind of, like this blood just led all the way to a garbage can outside the camper where there were still some pieces of her body left. It's just very careless and very sloppy. careless. Well, he got in a way with it for twenty years. He's like, eh, yeah. no one's ever coming on here. The task and that's the other thing. It's his compound. Mm -hmm. You know, like you feel a little bit safer when it's on your property. You're not ditching it in the woods or in a, a river. Yeah. Like it's just all on your property. Just like Stephen Avery. <laughs> I, just saying. Not, it's, it's, not, it's not even a hot take to me because me and you are on yeah. the same page with them. Some people thought this episode was going to be about Stephen Avery based on our uh, teaser pick. They did. I know nothing of that story. <laughs> Is that the making a murderer? Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to him someday. Yeah, someday. Yeah, someday. We won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's already been covered. That that's true. That'd be a tough one. I would like to debunk that. I would like to debunk those documentaries. I think you just did. <laughs> I think you just did. Oh, that that guy's guilty one hundred percent. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I would sure. like to debunk that. The 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 kid is like the the one that they charged with the crime. Not the kid. No, the, the, I don't know the story. Yeah. Who's Stephen Avery? The guy, his uncle. Okay. Yeah. He's guilty. I think so. I, the innocent sure kid that wanted to go home to watch WrestleMania is innocent. I don't know if he's 100% innocent, but just because of what they did to him and questioning him without you know, attorneys or whatever, I think he should probably be let out of jail. Yeah, I agree with that. He's still in jail to this day? No, oh, yeah. I'll never get out of jail. Mm. Okay. You guys have educated me more than... No. <laughs> I would have thought on that. That's what we like to do here, Mike. Yeah. Maybe you Lord can watch knows, fucking gonna, seven this week. I'm not going to watch a true crime documentary. <laughs> it's on my to-do list. Like, do they wrestle in it? I'm not going to no. watch that. No. WrestleMania is going coming up, and it's going to be a two-night extravaganza. So you know what? I'm booked. All right. I'm booked, baby. Yeah, we're fucking quarantined, dude. Nothing That's else WrestleMania April 4th and April 5th live on the WWE <laughs> Network for... Please. Nine ninety nine a month, but you can sign up for a free thirty day trial. Just doing commercials for WWE now. Hey, I'll take a payday from them. <laughs> they won't pay us. <laughs> so the task force officers grilled Robert for hours, and he was really calm, denied everything. And after eleven hours of intense questioning, investigators changed tactics, and they decided to put an undercover police officer in the cell with Robert to see if he said anything. Or that's common. You I hear you don't hear that. I, you don't. This is the first time I've ever heard of that. To actually put one in the, yeah. in the cell with them. How is that also legal? Well, I mean, if you're going to talk. Yeah, if you're talking. They're not entrapping. I don't, I don't think that's entrapping. Are they not? I mean, I guess if I you know. know you're under surveillance in your jail cell. They're just, I, I, I picture it. How is I, that not done more often, though? I mean, it maybe is. I don't know. Robert knew he was under surveillance. But that didn't stop him from bragging to to cellmate. And like we said earlier, there there's things throughout the there's stuff that we that 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 I didn't include here with like his pen. Like he had a lot of pen pals and stuff over the years. Like he would talk to anybody. Pen pals, yeah, like, like pig pen, pen pals. pals. <laughs> I was, I was Ian was like, like looking at me like, "What the fuck <laughs> is he talking about?" <laughs> huh? 
Thanks for killing that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he would just talk. He would tell people shit all the time. And at one point, Robert told this undercover cop that he was going for an even 50, which so, and Robert, Jeez. so that's alluding to the fact that he thinks he puts his number at 49 women. Which I I think holds a lot of credibility, right? If he's telling this in, in confidence to a, a prison a cellmate. Yeah. So he probably killed almost 50 women in his mind. Yeah. Likely. He also gave details of how he would dispose of the bodies, just basically slaughtering them like they were, like they were animals. And some of them would end up in what he took to the rendering plant. Mm. He also told the undercover officer that he was starting to get sloppy. So he knew that he was fucking up. On February 2nd, the police charged Robert with the murders of Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. Meanwhile, a ton of police and forensic specialists were searching the farm for remains of other victims. They made a grid of the entire property, and they were searching it grid box by grid box. The search revealed human remains and thousands of DNA samples. It's the biggest crime scene investigation in Canadian history. I bet. And it's huge. The investigation for evidence that was gathered at, at Robert's farm lasted for 22 months. And by the end of 2005, the police had cataloged enough evidence to charge him with a total of 27 murders. Robert's trial began on January 30th, 2006 in New Westminster. The pretrial took almost a year to determine what evidence could be admitted before the jury. Reporters were not allowed to disclose any of the material presented in these arguments. On March 2nd, one of the 27 counts was rejected by Justice James Williams for lack of evidence. Now, this guy, that that one count that was thrown out that yeah. they said they couldn't charge him with murder, that's just because they this woman was a Jane Doe. So mm -hmm. he said that they couldn't prove anything. So in this, what this judge is saying is that if we don't know who it is, it's cool to kill people. It doesn't matter. Man. It doesn't matter if they have a name or not. You know, If they don't have a name, we don't know who they are. Right. Whatever. Is that a weird Canadian thing? Or? I think that's just a weird not giving a shit about <laughs> sex workers thing. Yeah. I think it's yeah, just it's universal. Yeah, you're right. The other thing that this judge did that was way out of line was that he didn't allow the story of Sandra Ringwald to be heard by the jury. Which is the one that got away. Because he said she got away. So if she would have died, then she could testify in this guy's mind. Jesus. But because she got away... It didn't pertain to the story. Mm. Mm, that's really weird. Well, because she didn't show up for trial, and it still seems but extremely you relevant. Call her back. Automatic bad witness. It just seems really relevant to the story. Yeah, and if does. you were attorneys, I mean, I feel like you'd be working hard to get her. Yeah. come back. It's a whole new scenario. Prepping this. her. It's a whole new scenario at this point. <laughs> I don't even know what that word means. That's you just made up a word. <laughs> On August 9th, Justice Williams severed the charges, splitting them into. One group of six counts and the other group of 20 counts. He threw another wrench in this hole in the proceedings on what evidence could be shown because he said that the 20 other counts and all the other evidence that they had couldn't be heard by the jury. So because they were only charging him with six, they couldn't use evidence of mm. everything else that they found on that property. So that really limits mm. what the jury saw regarding that they, they couldn't bring up all this other stuff that obviously this guy was up to is this because canadian judges drink like six labats every morning <laughs> i don't i think well i think it's more that they top their pancakes with crown royal <laughs> that might be just it. drip on some crown royal on those pancakes <laughs> mm. 
Count me in. The remaining 20 counts could have been heard in a separate trial, but ultimately were stayed on August 4th, 2010, which we'll get into that uh, in a little bit here. Because of the publication ban, full details of the decision aren't publicly available, but the judge has explained that trying all 26 charges at once would put an unreasonable burden on the jury as the trial could last for up to two years. So it's just going to take too long to get all these families justice. Yeah, that's, that's just, very we don't have time for We're that. We're going to drop all that. We'll just <laughs> focus on the top six. Yeah, we don't got time for it. The date for the jury trial for the first six counts was initially set to start on January 8th, 2007, but it was later postponed to January 22nd. On that day, Robert faced first-degree murder charges in the deaths of six women. The media ban was listed was lifted, and for the first time, Canadians heard all the details of what was found during, during that long investigation. Uh, skulls cut in half, like the one that was found back in 1995 that they could have possibly looked into a little bit yeah a little bit uh, with hands and feet stuffed inside the remains of one victim stuffed in a garbage bag and her blood-stained clothing found in robert's trailer that would have been mona wilson uh, part of another victim's jawbone and teeth found beside robert's slaughterhouse and a 22 caliber revolver with an attached dildo containing both his dna and the victim's dna and that's it- normal <laughs> that sounds all right <laughs> In a videotape recording played for the jury, uh, Picton claimed that he attached this dildo to the weapon as a makeshift silencer. Does that work? I, I can't imagine that I it does. <laughs> when I stick my thing in women, they go silent. <laughs> so I think it works. That's science, right? Because like they fall asleep. I don't know, I don't you know what you're trying to say here. Know. Ask them, Dave. Because they're roofied and... Ask them, Dave. I don't know. I do not roofie anybody. <laughs> for the record, stop that. I'm trying to picture a dildo in the end of a 22, and whether I'm trying to think whether it would silence the gunshot. I don't know. Maybe he thought like going through all, like the rubber, it would just silence it, like a silicone kind of. Oh. I, I don't know. It shoots <laughs> out the pee hole. They like just flop around. It's just a doesn't sound like, like a dildo. Probably, is, you know, you're not getting an accurate shot off that, are you? Like it's gonna. I don't know. We gotta test this. I think. All right, Ian, go get your dildo. Let's try this. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> Dave, get your gun. Ian, get your dildo. Let's go. As of February 20th, 2007, the following information had been presented to the court during Robert's trial. The lab testified that about 80 unidentified DNA samples, roughly half male, half female, had been detected on evidence. Well, like 10 of those could have been Nickelback Nickelback blowing a load at the Piggy Palace on groupies, right? (laughs) Or groupies blowing loads when they played. Just saying. The items that they showed, they showed them a 22 revolver with the dildo for the barrel. (laughs) And it had one round fired, so you would assume that's what killed Mona Wilson. Boxes of 357 Magnum handgun ammunition, night vision goggles, two pairs of faux fur lined handcuffs, a syringe with three milliliters of blue liquid inside, window washer fluid, mm. and quote, Spanish fly aphrodisiac. Oh, sexy. <laughs> a videotape was played of robert's friend scott chubb saying that he chubb <laughs> about the whole the whole thing about uh killing lynn elsington with the window washer fluid uh also andy bellwood his story about what he told him 
and then photos and contents of the garbage bag found in Robert's slaughterhouse, which held some of Mona Wilson's remains. In October 2007, a juror was accused of having made up her mind already that Robert was innocent. The trial judge questioned the juror, saying, quote, It's reported to me, you said from what you had seen, you were certain Mr. Picton was innocent. There was no way he could have done this, that the court system arrested the wrong guy. So this juror completely denied this, and Judge Williams ruled that she could remain on the jury since it couldn't be proven. Like, eh, where'd yeah. that come from then? Like that's somebody accused her, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you feel like that happens a lot though with juries, or is that like for high profile cases? Yes. You think that happens? Yes. People trying to just dismantle the name of a jurist, or do you think jury jurists actually talk? Oh, I mean, I think. People go in there with their preconceived notions. Of, That's what I mean. Like I was just asking, like, what you think people go in with preconceived notions sure. for whatever reason? Yeah, I think most people are stupid. Well, I think we've covered on this show. <laughs> you are against a jury trial. I would never take a jury trial. Never. I, absolutely not. Mm-mm. They can be very easily swayed. I agree. People are not, especially in this country. People are not good critical thinkers. They don't know how to put you know this together and that together. They're just not. I'm not disagreeing. I was just asking about that specific this incident. Country's just not full of smart people. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just not. So you critical think that- thinking lags in this country. I mean, what is it? Forty. I mean, I've used this before, but what? Forty, forty-five percent of people believe in angels. You want those people on your fucking jury? Oh, they believe know, in angels. Last time you brought that up, we someone got angry about that. Well, that's fine, they but said, that, that's not real. FYI, angels are real. Uh, FYI, no, they're not, imbecile. <laughs> well, it's not FYI, a real thing. Nickelback's the second greatest selling foreign rock band in United States history. So, whatever. <laughs> okay. Look at this photograph. If you want people to believe in angels deciding your fate, that's fine. Not mine. That's ridiculous. I'd rather live in a country where Nickelback's a better selling rock band. I, I don't want that either. Well, but Dave, you can't be... Uh, beggars can't be choosers here. You pick one. You pick Angels or Nickelback. Right now, you pick Angels or Nickelback. Oh, I pick Nickelback over Angels. <laughs> hey, hey. That's ridiculous. Because we all just want to be big rock stars and live in hilltop houses driving 15 cars. The drugs come easy and the girls come cheap. We'll all stay skinny because we just won't eat. That sounds like they were writing that about their time at the Piggy Palace or something. <laughs> oh. What kind of lyrics hey, are those? You know what? Just blow some loads on some groupies now. If that's the lyrics, a bacon sandwich and we'll do something somehow. Well done. That's that exactly how they sing it, Dave. If that's how Nickelback parted at the Piggy Palace, then sign me up for VIP. Because I want to be there. I'm going to drink vodka, I'm going to eat some bacon, and I'm going to listen to some Nickelback. <laughs> on december 9th 2007 the jury returned a verdict that picton is not guilty on six counts of first degree murder but they found him guilty on six counts of second degree murder a second degree murder conviction carries a punishment of a life sentence with no possibility of parole of a period between 10 and 25 years to be set by the trial judge like i can see how the first one might not be first degree but I don't know how you can say the five subsequent murders weren't in any way premeditated that would make them first degree, right? I don't know. It's extremely odd. I'd like to be in that uh, jurist room having that debate. Well, my my angel told me that he didn't mean to do it. 
Well, we don't know that's what was said. We don't know, Dave. I'm um, also wondering if there was a lackluster of evidence, though, presented. Well, they couldn't we did talk, touch, they we could did, talk about everything that they and, found there. And we touched on right. earlier how the, the police were slow to pick up on a lot of stuff. I'm wondering what evidence was actually supplied to the jurors. Nothing from the other 20 cases. I mean, yeah. I mean, Dave, you're one to always, you know, people should not be charged unless you feel strongly and, you know, you want to give everyone their fair rights. I'm wondering what was presented to these people that would give them a doubt as to this guy is not guilty. Sure. Clearly looking back, hindsight 2020, we know what the situation is probably, but. Well, I don't understand this splitting off of the six cases versus the other 20. It's but as a jurist, of... that's not your job to understand. Yeah, you're, right. you're looking at what's presented. Yeah. There's a reason why the government did a complete overhaul of this whole, the police system, all this whole system got an overhaul after this shit. So there you go. There's a reason. Yeah. So again, I don't blend necessarily the jurist then. Maybe they, they were presented fucked up evidence. Sure. Possible. On December 11th, 2007, after reading 18 victim impact statements, British Columbia's Supreme Court judge, Justice James Williams, sentenced Robert to life with no possibility of parole for 25 years, the maximum, which is the maximum punishment for a second-degree murder charge in a, or conviction in, in Canada. So you were a bad boy, eh? You got to go away for 25 <laughs> years. What beer do they drink in Canada prisons? They got to drink some kind of beer, right? In prison? Yeah, of course. You get to drink... Well, it is Canada. Of course. I don't know. Blatz? Blatz? Oh, is that Labatt's? American? No, well, Labatz is okay, though. I would take that. Mm. I was just thinking of like a sh- shitty beer that we get shit from Canada. I guess Blatz is maybe American. I think it probably is. It's disgusting. I'd still drink it if I was in prison. All right, never mind. <laughs> Stupid question. Regarding the conviction... Judge said, quote, Mr. Pickton's conduct was murderous and repeatedly so. I cannot know the details, but I know this. What happened to them was a sen- was senseless and despicable. Robert fought his sentence through appeals, and his last appeal was denied in 2009. There's multiple things he was trying to fight here. And then, like we said later, or like we said earlier, in 2010, the courts decided to not try Robert for the remaining 20 murder charges. They just said those six were enough. That's that. I mean, there's no death penalty in Canada, so. I understand where the victims' families are coming from because that's the thing is, like, even though those were down and out people, and I mean, they're not just, it doesn't they're matter. not throwing anything to do with it. Yeah. All right. I mean, they still do have families. And Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, Mike doesn't want him killed. Maybe he can, when he gets paroled in 25 years, he can come live at Mike's house. I don't know. What's his thoughts on Nickelback? <laughs> What's his thoughts on Nickelback? I don't want him killed, but uh, I also, you know, I want justice for these people, these these girls, these streetwalkers that he allegedly killed. I don't, I don't know. Mean he I think it's kill. fucked up. Yeah, or allegedly he killed. Yeah. I mean, that, let's go to trial for that as well. He probably won't get out, though. No. There, he'll never be paroled. I, I, I don't think so. I mean, you know. Well, I, I don't know. I can't speak for the Canadian justice system. Yeah. I what, can't speak for the American justice system. But. What do they mark Catherine uh, Knight's file with? Never to be released? Yeah. I think they should put that on that guy's too. <laughs> See, Never to be released. I'm, I'm 100% okay with that. Yeah. You're not going to get me to fight on that. Like This guy should be locked up forever. Catherine Knight should be locked up forever. Mm. 
Who owns the Piggy Palace now? Uh, oh, good the, question, Dave. No mm. one. The Piggy Palace is done. No. Yeah. What is it now? I don't, I don't it's bulldozed know. over. Raised farmland. It, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Nickelback probably owns it. Well, they own Canada. <laughs> I, think. I think they own Canada. <laughs> Avril Lavigne's managing it. Wow. <laughs> she, are they still married? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's Robert Picton. That's uh I wasn't all that familiar with this story and a lot of people requested it. Yeah. This was one of Fairly our most recent one of our most requested shows, yeah. I think, since we started. It's interesting. It's not great. It's not the most fun story of all time, but Yeah, I was getting some, a little fired up reading about all the uh Yeah, what'd you call him? A a pig shit smelling asshole. Whatever it was, I said in my yeah. opening. Well, it's likely the pigs. He fed a lot of that stuff. The pigs Pig too, shit right? Covered asshole. Yeah, he fed the um, he fed the the women to the pigs, which was believed. We don't know for sure, right? Yeah, well, when he was bullshitting about like what he how he got rid of bodies, mm-hmm. he would take some of it to the rendering plant. The rest mm-hmm. he would let the pigs eat. It's weird. They never found any arm bones or leg bones on the property. And anywhere, and he that that wouldn't get through a rendering plant. I mean, they would probably be like, "Hey, that's a human arm bone yeah. or something." But mm. so that's odd. That's a complete mystery on what he did with the arms and legs, mm. which is really weird. Horrific. Fuck Canada. <laughs> Goddamn pal. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Picton and Nickelback. Mm. You can keep it, well, man. One of those is the best selling of all time, and one of those is the most killing uh, of all this time. Guy's so. still with this record breakers. He's their most prolific serial killer. And their most prolific rock band. And there you go. All right. I don't love it. No. All right, Ian, you got anything to wrap us up on uh, Robert Picton here? Any last thoughts? No. No. I Covered it all? I think so. Have we hated on Canada enough? Yeah. For one episode, at least. Yeah. It's not all cops, but... <laughs> this We wouldn't have a show. A little, we wouldn't a have a show. angry We wouldn't have, have a show if... Uh, if there weren't system failures. Well, yeah, police incompetence facilitate a lot of these guys, of course. And unfortunately, other than uh, other than John Bonet, this is probably the one of the biggest incompetence. Not even in it's just that's a statement. Just pal. not even caring. But yeah. Well, the Canadian uh, U.S. border is currently closed, so maybe we won't have any of these people coming over. <laughs> just saying. Well said, USA, <laughs> USA. Dave, what do you got? You got to close us out on anything? You got That's any final got. thoughts? Close border. All right. All right. So we got some shout outs for new patrons. And God damn, we got a lot of them this week. Must have been a while since we last recorded. A week? <laughs> uh, it's been more than a week, I believe. Has <laughs> it? I think so. We didn't record last Friday. Shout outs to Martin McConnell, Deanne O'Brien Haggerty, Sarah McDonald, Kevin J, Jess Janelin. Lindsay Patterson, Julia Weber, Marcus Sickles, Courtney Kretzberg, Not Selena Gomez, Aaron Flynn, Nicole Olson, Peter Holder, Dorian French, Jasmine, Amber Faith, Angela Coran, Gage Bass, and Logan Mayfield. Uh, also, Kayla Marseille. Thank you guys very much for signing up for Patreon. We appreciate it very much. If you're interested in signing up, patreon.com slash necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Marlosen42, Fig3000, Lacey Shepard, Beck Pont, 
Jenny Maskey and Rachel Brewer 88. Thank you guys for the reviews. And Backpunt, their review said that Mike sounds like Woody from Toy Story, also his nickname in college. (laughs) (laughs) Does that make me Tom Hanks? Apparently. It does. Fucking hell yeah. Thank you. He's all jacked up. Also, he's got a Woody. Also appropriate <laughs> nickname, because yes, that was my nickname in college. So, yeah. They said, oh, there's Mike. Oh, you mean Woody? Yeah. But also Buzz Lightyear, because he'll take you to infinity and beyond. So is that what you told him? What's up, girl? <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks thanks oh, for the review. Must have been a roofie involved oozing. there. Baby oozing. <laughs> oozing. Jesus. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. You want to go to infinity and beyond? Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> it worked 12% of the time, all the time. Dave, what you got for us? Jesus. From Instagram, Marty and McConnell, 94 Angela 13, Torn Up Clouds, Rinny 8, Sunny Sandy Mond from Twitter, Rook Auto Turret. Amy Greaves 96 and Perfect Blue 89 really appreciate your Necronomapod uh, drawing with the with the beer mug that was pretty fucking cool. We posted that the other day yeah. on uh, the Instagram story and Twitter and did you guys post it on Facebook or did that fall nah. the way? So, yeah. <laughs> so if you're we on Facebook, may not have done that. You should probably check out our Twitter or uh, Instagram. Um, really cool. Per- Perfect Blue 89. Yeah, really yeah, cool. They, Thank you. They they uh, drew up something pretty sweet for us. Yeah. So we use that as a photo. Anyways, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Necronomapod. If you're interested in signing up, well, you are. Well, no, if you're interested in signing up. I'm just getting myself confused here. <laughs> if you're interested in signing up for bonus episodes, patreon.com slash Necronomapod. And uh, we'll see you next week. Stay safe out there, guys. Dangerous time. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Yep. Cheers.